Oh, I want to thank you all for tuning in to the 308th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you guys for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via being recorded from Buffalo, New York. As always, recording this right now at 930 uh, PM Eastern uh, time. We're gonna have Landon Rhodes on, a friend of mine, a fellow alumni of John Carroll University, right? Uh, and host of the On the Road Sports Show. Gonna have him on. Gonna talk some NBA and then uh, some NFL. I got some little NFL tidbits for Landon as well. But before we get to that, I want to say this: If this is your first time listening to the podcast, thank you. Subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Facebook groups, uh, Reddit threads, etc., etc. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Daryl Lane, and follow me on Twitter, at NightTrain underscore Lane. I'll say it again, at NightTrain underscore Lane. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, leave a great comment and give me a five stars, right? Give me five stars. And for some odd reason, right? If you don't like my podcast, then take a page for what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all, right? Pretty simple, pretty easy. If mama says it, then it has to be true, right? And it has to be the right thing, right? I think so. And without ado, cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to have Landon Rhodes. Cut up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have Landon Rhodes with us, host of the On the Road Sports Show. Landon, how you doing, my guy? Doing well, Daryl. How are you? I'm doing great. So, first, what I have to ask you is this. So, we've kind of had uh, an interesting NBA postseason. A uh, lot of injuries, and, and now we're kind of down to the home stretch. And at first, Phoenix goes up 2-0 in the finals, then the Bucks win the next two. So I just want, first, your overall thoughts of just the postseason in general, and then your thoughts of the series. Well, I mean, the injuries were kind of expected. I mean, I read articles, I think, when the season started, because they started it back up early, and they said, basically, this is probably going to happen. Their uh, players are on a shortened off season. There will probably be a lot more injuries. I We've seen it play out exactly that way. It's unfortunate, but I, I just don't think it was. It shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody who's been paying attention uh, to the NBA schedule this, what, like year and a half now, last two years. Um, they've been really on a grind, and that's not even taking into consideration these guys that are going to the Olympics now, but that's, that's a whole other story over there. But as far as the playoffs, I mean, it's unfortunate that some of these series have been affected so heavily by the injuries, but uh, 
I've, I've seen people on Twitter trying to say that this doesn't count because of the injuries. I think that's ridiculous. Every playoff has been affected by injuries in the past. I mean, I, I'm a Cavaliers fan. I, I feel like the Cavs would have more titles if, I don't know, Kevin Love doesn't get his, his shoulder ripped by Olenek, you know, if Kyrie could stay healthy. You know, all these things. There's always injuries in the playoffs. Just deal with it and move on. It's it's the game. I mean, injuries happen. They just happen a lot more this year. I completely agree with you with that. But So you kind of alluded to this, and I want to touch on this now. So when you talk about the Olympics, you think it's bad that we are having players over there? Because when you're kind of talking about the compounded season that we had, and then all those injuries, then you have stars, particularly a guy like Kevin Durant, who's coming off a catastrophic injury, uh, and he's going to be playing. I think it's it's risky on his part. I have not read anything about what the Nets think about that. Do, do you know? Do the Nets have an opinion on this? I, I can't imagine that they love it. I don't. I, yeah. I, I can't say that anybody in the office like when the GM and the coach and everybody's talking. I can't believe they're like, yeah, Kevin Durant's gonna represent his country and play more minutes, even though we're paying him millions of dollars to play for us. I do not think that they're. I mean, I, I don't think they're going to say anything because obviously you can't nowadays because they don't want to piss players off, and we know how quickly Kevin's mood can change. But I'm sure they're not ecstatic about it behind closed doors. Yeah, I mean, it's a players' league uh, more so than other leagues. I would say the players are in charge, so I, I definitely think Durant doesn't really care. I guess what what they had to say, um, but I mean, I think it's the players decision whether or not to compete in the Olympics and these players want to. I thought the latest two additions were interesting with uh, Beal and Kevin Love out which, first of all, Kevin Love he should never have gone in the first place. That guy needs all the rest he can get. I'm serious. He, I'm so, I love Kevin Love. I love what he did for Cleveland, but he needs an offseason. He needs a full offseason. He could probably use four offseasons <laughs> if we could give them to him. Like, Honestly, that, that guy, I'm sorry, he cannot stay healthy at this point in his career. And guess what? He gets injured before the Olympics even starts. So I'm actually glad for his health that he chose uh, to go ahead and sit this one out after an injury. Unfortunately, it took that for him to realize. But um, I thought it was interesting, back to what I was saying, that uh, JaVale McGee was added. I, I think that's an interesting role player. A lot of times with these with these uh, lineups they get for the Olympics. It's just like cram as many star players in there as you can get, and then that's it. But now we have JaVale McGee, who's a rim protector, not a superstar, but he's like a glue piece, I would say, and Keldon Johnson from the Spurs. That's the other guy they added. And again, not a superstar, but a really like a hustle player, and I think he's he's going to be good in the coming. He already is good, but he's an up and coming player. But I guess my point is like I actually think the team will be better off with some nice role players, some glue guys like that, instead of just let's just throw as many of the best players possible together on a team because honestly, a lot of times they do not mesh well together, and you could argue that we've already seen that a little bit. No, I kind of agree with you. I think it's a different kind of strategy by Team USA, but I think it's uh, the better strategy because realistically, if you're not going to bring like LeBron, KD, uh, Anthony Davis, if you're not bringing in your heavy hitters like, like the, the the top 
tier guys, right? The Steph Currys, the Kyries, the Hardens, and, and you're going to bring in the Chris Middletons and Drew Holidays. You should probably construct your team in more of a, uh, a, a refined way, I, I would say, right? If you're not going to have the top, top tier talent where maybe that stuff doesn't matter as much, uh, and you're going to have maybe, you know, the second, the third tier talent of the NBA, maybe you should start looking at, you know, guys, like I thought, you know, they could use a guy like Rondo on the team, I think. I think that they need a point guard still. I think they need somebody to get them in their offense. Because, I mean, Damian yeah. Lillard's a scoring guard. Rondo's been there before, too. So, I mean, Rondo, he'd bring the experience. He's a facilitator. He's a, he's a team player. I mean, I agree with you. I think Rondo would be a great one. The big controversy right now was just that apparently Trey Young wanted on the team and they, they went with Keldon Johnson and JaVale McGee, but it perfectly encapsulates what I just said, which is I actually am glad they didn't go that route. Trey Young, super exciting player. First of all, should probably rest up, quite honestly. He had a long playoff run, like, and he's had some injury issues in his young career, too. Like, It's not like Trey Young's got a clean medical record, either. Like, I think Trey Young is due for some rest. The Hawks went to the Eastern Conference Finals, just chill out. I'm sure Atlanta's glad he wasn't picked. I will say that again, as you said, maybe behind closed doors, but I'm sure Atlanta is ecstatic that Trey Young is not going to the Olympics. But uh, secondly, it's just what I said before. You cannot just pile on all these star players and just hope it works out. The Dream Team worked out beautifully, but... I, I don't think Michael Jordan, Larry thing. Bird, Scottie Pippen, Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, like yeah, I I think they kind of worked out though with the old style of play a little better, and I don't know exactly how to like vocalize uh, my thoughts on this, but it's like the game has changed in a way that I don't think benefits stacking all the great players on one team now. It, it, particularly players like Damian Lillard, Trey Young, like like KD. I, I particularly Trey Young and Dame Lillard. I cannot see them on one team, quite honestly, because they're both like that guy that will pull up from half court. That's fair. That's fair. But so you don't think that that's the best way to win now? No, I mean, I think it could be if you have, like, the right balance, but it's, like, so far, Team USA, they, I don't, I think that they went for the best players available that weren't, like, injured or, like, injured slash, like, attending Space Jam premiere, <clears throat> LeBron, um, I, I don't know, like, AD and LeBron obviously couldn't join, Harden had his injury issues, uh, he was playing, it seemed like, on one leg. and But, I mean, that's why I'm so shocked about the Trey Young thing. I don't know if you were shocked at all that he wanted on so bad. But, I mean, the Hawks were surprising this year to even go that far. But then for him to want to hop back on the saddle right away, it's got, I mean, he he's kind of has weak ankles. I mean, I was, I don't know. Well, I'm not shocked that uh, Trey Young wants to play. I think, you know, he's a guy that I think he's always, he's had to hear for the last couple of years. You know, Luca this, Luca that, how much better Luca is. I mean, he finally had his time to shine in the postseason. 
when the Hawks and him more than did a phenomenal job representing themselves. And then yeah, I think about it, everybody always tells him probably since he was like five, he's too small to do this and he's too small to do that. I feel like he has a chip on his shoulder, so I feel like that's something he'd want to do. Yeah, I'm not shocked at all that he wanted to, but I, at the same time, I am saying I think it's a great decision that he was not selected. Great decision for both his health and the Hawks organization, even though they were not the ones that made the call. If if you're um, in the Hawks division, it was a horrible decision. You'd probably rather him, at a minimum, wear himself out more and at a maximum get hurt again. But for the Hawks and for Trey Young, I think it was a good decision. Yeah, no, I agree with you when it comes to that. You even saw a guy like Chris Paul. He said, you know what, I'm going to sit this one out. I don't think players really care about the Olympics as much as we think they do. They they, they just don't. It's just, it's like, because the thing is, for the Olympics, like in other sports, like, it's the pinnacle. Like, for track and field, like, it is the pinnacle of that sport. For, like, swimming or wrestling or, or whatever, like, it is the pinnacle of that sport. Like, for basketball, that is not the pinnacle. The pinnacle is winning an NBA championship. Yeah, it's like the the pro sports leagues take precedent over the Olympics unless, and I'm not an expert on pro sports leagues in these other sports, so I don't I don't want to make a mistake here. There, I'm sure there are like professional, you know, track and stuff that aren't the Olympics, but I would say that the Olympics are the the track equivalent of like the NBA or NFL for track and obviously for like the NBA and hockey and other sports that are in the Olympics um, those leagues are those leagues and then there's the Olympics as kind of a side note but for the sports that don't have that viewership in the normal league um, which no matter how much I know about professional track leagues I can tell you I think it's pretty safe, and I think you would agree that there isn't a professional track league that gets the viewership that the Olympic track events get, mm. unless I've been living under a rock. No. no. Well, I think what they do for those type of sports, the Olympic sports, it's not a league. Uh, well, this is all another conversation, but they have, like, worlds. So it's basically the Olympics, but it's not the Olympics. So they do those and not yeah. Olympic years. So that's kind of what they and train then, for. And then all the countries yeah, go. A lot of the college stuff is televised, too. Like, I've watched college wrestling and, uh, you know, college track and field events and stuff, and that's great to watch, But um, and it's where a lot of these athletes come from, but it's uh, it's not on the global stage, yeah. obviously. Or even if you think about, well, let's do another sport that's easy to do this, tennis. Or, or, no, like, let's do golf, right, golf. Like, golf is in the Olympics, right? Like, winning golf in the Olympics is not the pinnacle. The, the pinnacle of golf is winning the Masters. Yeah, I mean, but the PGA and all that—that's sort. That's like a, a league, though, right? I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. That's a league. It's a tour. Yeah. So it's. I guess that's kind of just the summary of what I'm saying. Is I think these these ones that have leagues, these sports that have like leagues. I mean, obviously the NFL doesn't apply because we don't have uh, Olympic football, um, meaning you know American football. And I think that's a good thing because I think that would get ugly really, really quick. Oh, 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 why? <laughs> why? Uh, I mean, let's just say there's a reason that we call it American 
football. I'll just leave it at that. I I don't think the other countries have caught up. Uh, in other sports, actually, I've been very impressed, but I think American football has a ways to go in other countries compared to even basketball. I mean, basketball, I think, in terms of globalization, has really, really grown. Like, I was shocked to see Nigeria beat us. I was pretty shocked to see Australia beat us. I know these are just qualifiers. I think the U.S. will pull it together, but it's just like, I, I don't know. Uh, football is no, in American football, isn't just, you know, we would, I think we would destroy in that. I think I think there are a few countries that I mean obviously it's not the same as the NFL obviously but I think there there's more than a few that that like play it like there's a concept of it but I, I think the interesting thing too is if you look at concussions and stuff I don't know how that would work I, I I don't know how like the Chiefs would feel like oh Patrick Mahomes playing in the Olympics after he just hurt his knee yeah. in the Super Bowl I don't I can't imagine Andy Reid and them are like oh that's great <laughs> that would be kind of crazy. Uh, but what I do think is interesting too, and I do want your opinion on this. I think seven on seven or like flat football could be in the Olympics one day. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Yeah, that would be cool. I, I could yeah, see I that. Tune in. Right? Like, I mean, I mean, I feel like that would be something that's. I, I feel like that's more reasonable than having tackle football in the Olympics and having like. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I mean, just because of like the physicality of it, but the the issue is, like, would NFL players be the ones playing the flag football, or who would be the athletes? Would it be specific flag football athletes? Like, you'd have, like, the Tom Brady of flag football come, or would it be the actual athletes? Well, you could probably have actual NFL players who want to try out, and if they make the team, they make the team. That would be... I would definitely tune in if that... I mean, yeah, and I think NFL teams would be much happier with that than tackle, although there's still a risk, I mean, of injury in flag football. That might sound silly, but I mean, in terms of just like, I don't know, you moved the wrong way on your ankle or whatever, you know. Yeah, that is true. But these teams, they play seven-on-seven all the time anyway. If you were to do like a seven-on-seven flag football, like that's what they're doing really in the offseason anyway a lot of the time, so it's not like, you know. Then it's also a less controlled environment, and it's not they're not playing against other people, of course, but a little bit different, but it's not like it's something that they don't do. Yeah, I definitely like the idea. There's just there's a whole lot of variables that would need to get figured out with that. So now I want to uh, get back to the NBA. So finals. Uh, what are your thoughts been on the finals so far? Um... I was really impressed with Chris Paul uh, right out of the gate. Um, this last game was really bad, though. I was I was really confused what was going on with Chris Paul. He honestly looked a little hurt, if I'm being honest. I don't want to speak that into existence because we know he had the shoulder issue against the Lakers round one. But Paul did not look good at all that last game. Very impressed by Devin Booker. He scored a lot considering he did not hit a three-pointer, which was unbelievable. Afterwards, I couldn't yeah, – he actually had a few that, like, got called back as a two that were originally called a three. So that was – that's a whole other thing. But I was like, wow, he did not hit a three, and he dropped that. But Devin Booker looked great. The referees really have some 
questions to answer. I'm really, I know I'm focusing pretty heavily on game four right now, but uh, the referees do have some questions to answer about Devin Booker towards the end. He should have fouled out probably two times, um, and they were both pretty obvious no calls there, but that is what it is. Series as a whole, been very impressed by Giannis. Um, I think the Suns have been picking on Brooke Lopez. It's pretty obvious to everyone. They've been taking him out a lot. And Lopez puts good minutes on the floor sometimes, especially I feel like on the offensive end, actually, in this series. But he's just a liability on defense because the Suns are pretty good at uh, setting screens and getting the matchup they want. And a lot of times, it's when Lopez is on the floor, they find a way to get like a Lopez on Paul or like a Lopez on Booker at the top of the three-point line. And that is just... That's bad news for the Bucks. like eight times out of ten, I would say. Um, but my prediction was Suns in six uh, from the beginning. Um, people were calling for the Suns sweep after games one and two, and I was like, pump the brakes here. Let's see how this goes in Milwaukee. And I still think Suns in six, it could go to seven, I guess. I definitely, I mean... I, I think it'll probably go six, but I at this point I just think the, the first team to win away is going to win the whole thing. Honestly. Well, that would yeah, I I would agree with you with that too. Uh, I think this could be heading towards a game seven. I could see it. I mean, I would love. I mean, this is the first finals in a long time that I have not had really a preference who wins it. I would like to see Chris Paul get a ring before it's all said and done. But at the same time, I wouldn't mind the Bucks winning it either. Like, I really, there, there are storylines on both sides that I'd like to see happen. I really do think Chris Paul deserves a ring. But uh, a Game 7 would be great from my perspective. It's more basketball. I'd, I'd love to watch it. Game 7s are usually classic. I hope it's not, if that happens, I hope it's not like a blowout Game 7, though. That is the worst. I would hate like a letdown game seven. If we go seven games, that had better be a nail biter. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, kind of like game four was. Uh, what I think is interesting too is when we're, and now the series is shifting to game five, Milwaukee has some momentum going right now. Uh, I think the concerning thing is one, and you hit the nail on the coffin right there, uh, Chris Paul uh, could be hurt or, or not. I mean, we, we don't necessarily know, but kind of other people have stated that too, that they think he's a little banged up. Uh, Devin Booker dropped what, like forty-five? Like that was his best game by far yeah. this series. Like, and, and I love Devin Booker. I think you do too. I don't. I don't think we should. I, I don't think you should hold your breath thinking, "Oh, Devin Booker is going to keep dropping forty-five like that," and that efficiently. No, no, definitely not. I mean, it's. I think the Bucks have played better as a team. Honestly, um, the Suns usually have like one guy go off and the rest of them and I mean obviously Giannis is usually the guy who goes off like for the Bucks but I think Middleton Middleton's carried his weight not initially though I will say Middleton was just like kind of eh but he came alive last game um, and it seems like he plays a lot better at home so he's got to figure out how to play on the road they all do because Giannis 
cannot hit a free throw to save his life on the road. He's probably like 50-50 at home, but on the road, it's bad because, you know, they do that whole countdown thing, and I swear it's getting to him. It looked like it was. Um, but Drew Holiday was the other guy I was going to touch on. They always talk about his defense. It's, I mean, they're right. His defense is great. He's hounding Chris Paul. If Chris Paul is playing on one good shoulder, then honestly, I'll take Drew Holiday in that matchup if we have one-armed Chris Paul against Drew Holiday, like, Drew Holiday's a world-class athlete. They both are, but if one of them's got one arm, I'm giving that advantage to Holiday the rest of the series. Yeah, no, I think Holiday's done a good job of wearing Chris Paul down, too, during this series. So my thing, too, and my point is, if we assume that Devin Booker's not going to play a better game than what he saw in game four they lost. To me, that's the issue. Because if Chris Paul's getting banged up, where is this offense coming from? Because I think that would have been the game, right? Devin Booker has an iconic game. Paul's struggling. It's a really tough, close game in Milwaukee. And you get up 3-1. And then at that point, you just need one more game to get it home. Yeah, and two of the three are going to be at home as yeah. well. So I thought this was a big miss for Phoenix. A big miss, particularly how it ended. You have Chris Paul, who's supposed to be your prototypical point guard, your guy who's not supposed to turn the ball over, and he makes two awful turnovers towards the end of the game. I just thought that was an awful way for Phoenix to win in a game that I think really, if they lose the series, I think that's a game you're going to really look at and like, okay, they should have got that one. Chris Paul has actually had a bit of a turnover issue. I think, I'd have to look at the stats. I think the whole series, I know the last two games in Milwaukee for sure. Um... And it's not what you would expect from your veteran. And I worth, worth mentioning on the Devin Booker point is that he actually sat a good amount of the fourth quarter. He could have dropped the 50 ball if he wasn't in foul trouble. I'm not saying he will in this series at some time, but he easily could have actually scored a lot more than he did. Um, and I already touched on how he should have fouled out, but that's – that's a whole nother issue. If he stays out of foul trouble and does what he did, like he will drop a 50 ball, but I don't know if he has it in him. We'll, we'll see. Um, I, I don't really know. I mean, Jay Crowder's been stepping up, though. Uh, tip of the cap to Jay Crowder. He, I honestly think Jay Crowder really stepped up. Once, once Sarge went down, I think his minutes increased a little bit there for the Suns, and he stepped up and Shout out to Jay Crowder, former Cav, back-to-back uh, -back finals appearances as well. Don't even LeBron have some beef? I don't know. They did, I think, uh, maybe when he was on the Mavericks. And then Jay Crowder, like, backhanded him and he tore his ACL. <laughs> and, like, you, I don't know if you remember that. I think it was his ACL or, or his Achilles. I don't know. Um I, I really don't know, but Jay Crowder, they were at, like, the free throw line or whatever, you know, waiting to box out, and he, like, backhanded him, and he, like, tore his, his leg, and then, here's the bad part, this is getting off topic a little bit, but the Cavaliers tried to pair them up, like, the next season, I'm pretty sure, or two seasons after that as teammates, and I was like, look, from a locker room chemistry perspective, I don't know what you're doing. You know, another guy who's been having, you know, at one point they called, uh, remember when they used to say P.J. Tucker was a LeBron stopper? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, have you 
seen the stat, though, that P.J. Tucker has beaten a former Rockets teammate in every round? I have not. Okay, well, he did, and now if he beats Chris Paul, it, like, caps it off. Like, uh, I'm trying to think back. So, Atlanta, it was, like, Capella. Um, let me think. They Man, beat I the Heat. Going, I'm drawing a blank right they now. They beat the Heat in the first round. Okay, the Heat, it was, uh, oof, who was it? Man, I wish I had this info on me right now. But it was somebody who, who was on the Rockets uh, on that, like, Chris Paul team. Oh, it was Ariza. It was Ariza. Um, and so the Heat, and then who was the middle team? The, the Nets. I'm also not thinking. Oh, it's... the Nets? Is that what you said? Yes. So obviously Harden. Um... So, yeah, he's been on a bit of a revenge tour, but not Michigan style. He's actually uh, carrying through with it. So do you like the T- the P.J. Tucker as a stopper label? Um, it, I don't know what to think of P.J. Tucker. I guess he's got to be a stopper, right? Because he doesn't bring much on the offense, <laughs> man, if I'm being honest. But, but my thing is, um, Landon, P- they call P.J. Tucker a stopper, and K.D. was dropping like 50 on him. <laughs> Really? Because I thought, it, I, well, I mean, I know he did, but I, I felt like he was doing a decent job on KD. Uh, there's some people that, like... One of those games, KD was shot, like, 60% of the field at 50, per, at 50 points and had, like, a triple-double. <laughs> yeah, that, it is true. But, I mean, I, I swear that they were giving uh, Tucker his props, though, for his defense in the net series. I'm pretty sure they were. No, I think they were. I, I just think it's crazy that somebody because because we know how like Katie played phenomenal that series, like yeah. that that somebody can play that well and you're like, yeah, he's a stopper. Like stop what? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, Iguodala got a Finals MVP for holding LeBron to what like something that would be like great stats for like anyone else. <laughs> it was like thirty six nine and thirteen. Yeah, great stats like, for anybody. Though I think that one series, though, LeBron LeBron was very inefficient, but that was also because he was taking a lot of shots and Kyrie and K-Love weren't playing. Yeah, it's kind of hard to be efficient with Delhi at the point. That is very true. And he was, ta- he was taking, like, 40 shots a game. It, it was insane. But, but K- KD's was efficient. Like, I'm sure KD, I have this on hand, but I'm sure KD was shooting at lowest was, like, 48%. He, he was getting, like, like I, I just don't know. I just think it's crazy that you just call somebody, even LeBron. Was he ever really stopping LeBron, Landon? Nobody ever really was, and nobody was really ever stopping KD. So I think whenever you hear anyone get called a whatever, insert name here, stopper, take it with you know a grain of salt because it depends on what kind of player we're talking about because no one's going to hold LeBron or KD under 20 points. Like, it's just it's not happening. Under 30 is, like, a really good defensive performance on either of them, honestly. So, like, and there are a lot of variables with each game. But I just feel like when you call someone a stopper and you're talking about, like, a top five player in the NBA, stopper is used a little more loosely uh, with those guys. Yeah, yeah, like, when I think of stopper, I don't know if you remember this series, but remember when uh, the Pelicans, like, swept the Blazers? Yeah. And Jeru Holiday, like, ate up Damian Lillard? Yes. Yes. Like, that's when you can say, okay, that's a stopper-like performance. 
Yeah, the first time I can remember hearing about something like that was actually Shane Battier on Kobe when Battier was on the Rockets. Um, I think it was the year the Lakers uh, had, like, I want to say it was the year they had Ron Artest and they beat the Celtics in the finals, I think. Uh, Don't hold me to that, but I'm pretty sure that was the year. And Sports Illustrated had this article, this entire story about Battier, like, doing everything to try to mess Kobe up. But, like, the bottom line was, like, it wasn't really working, I don't think. So I, I don't really know. It's just... I feel like almost it's like an effort thing. Like when when people see a defender putting in like that extra like emotion and like effort into at least trying to stop one of these guys, they like really respect it. And it's almost like more about how the player sees themselves than the actual results in a lot of cases. Like they see themselves as a LeBron stopper and they're going to give it absolutely everything they have. They're going to yell at him. They're going to like put their hand in his face, whatever. Like it seems like it's more of just like an effort thing in a way. Well, I'm thinking of another stopper performance. Uh, would you consider, so the 2018, I think it was 2018, the 2018 Bucks Raptors series when they shipped the Kawhi on to Giannis and then they won four straight. Yeah. I mean, thing about that, I feel like Kawhi is just a literally whoever you put him on stopper. He's been called a LeBron stopper before, too. Um, let's not forget, like, when the Spurs were uh, winning. Um, Two-time defensive player Kawhi of the year. Is just, yeah, I mean, Kawhi is amazing. Like, that dude is long. His hands are giant, even by NBA standards. Like, that guy was made to play defense in the NBA. It just so happens he's a great offensive player, too. But in that case, I would call Kawhi just a defensive stopper, period. Okay, but P.J. Tucker. So P.J. Tucker's not meeting your threshold for stopper. P.J. Tucker, in terms of the effort he's given... <laughs> I think it's fine to call him that, but, like, it's it's just, like, the same thing. Like, who is he the stopper of in this series? Because I saw him on Devin Booker a lot in Game 4, and a lot of the time he was actually fouling Booker on shots. Well, Lady, can I say something? I've I started thinking about this, and, and people do this in the draft, too. Anytime you start your first sentence with a player and your first words are either he's a good leader or he tries hard, that usually means he sucks. Yeah, there's a reason Tucker's been around so long, though. I mean, he's carved a place on all these teams. Like, the Rockets kept him around. And I got to think it's for the defense. I know what we keep saying, like, is the defense really that good? Is it not? But, I mean, sorry to say, I don't know why else that Rockets team he was on would have kept him around. Because, honestly, nobody else on that team was really playing defense. Capella, sure. Um, but and I mean Chris Paul is decent and Harden's improved his defense but let's not forget at one time Harden's defense was a meme let's not forget about that <laughs> it really was it was embarrassing it, it, it was you you are right yeah, about that I mean, respect to him for improving it I don't think it's as bad as it was well that's because he got shamed still, into it he got shamed into it yeah yeah he did but I just can't think why else 
PJ Tucker would have been starting on that team. I I think teams respect his effort, and I do think he's actually a pretty good defensive player. But it's just like I cannot sit here and roast him for KD dropping a lot of points on him because I don't know a player in the NBA that KD couldn't drop a bunch of points on. Maybe, I feel like Kawhi would give him the best fight, probably. Yeah, Kawhi's freaky. Yeah, Because even when Kawhi started to really guard Luka in that Dallas series, even though Luka was you know still getting his, you could tell that Luka, it's, Luka was struggling a little bit more. It, it was not coming yeah. as easy. Like the difference between when Paul George was switching out on him and Kawhi. Definitely. Or like, I even noticed like Luka was just more willing to give the ball up. Like a lot more willing to give the ball up when Kawhi was on him. Yeah, which ended up, I think, kind of being the difference in that series was Luka can't give the ball up, really, if they're going to win because, man, they got to get him some more talent down there, I think. I, I don't know. I don't want to get off topic again, but... Yes, Kawhi did a very good job on Luka, and it's a shame how his season ended, which is now a lot more serious than we thought. Although, for the record, I thought it was pretty serious from the beginning, even when sources were saying different things. I just, knowing Kawhi, I was like, I'm going to err on the side of this injury is probably significant. That's right, I agree with you, and it turns out it is significant, huh? Partially torn ACL is going to take him out for a bit. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. And then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to talk a little NFL. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Barbershop Sports Talk, we still have Landon Rhodes with us. So Landon, Aaron Rodgers, he was doing, uh, what was he doing with Brady and that Phil Nicholson? They did their little golf thing, and the reporters uh, kept asking him if he'd be in Green Bay, and Aaron really didn't give a commit. Now people are saying he's probably going to show up to camp. We still don't know. Where are you on the Aaron Rodgers front? I'm where I've always been, which is I expect him to come back. Um, I, I don't know. I just think at the end of the day, Green Bay isn't willing to trade him. And that's kind of that. I mean, that doesn't mean he has to show up, but at the very least, it means he won't be anywhere else if he's not in Green Bay. So, um, and maybe I will be proven entirely wrong. Maybe the Packers have a change of heart and they decide they want to trade him, but I just do not see it at all right now. I think they've made it pretty clear that they're not ready to move on from him. So, um, yeah, that's where I'm at. I I expect that he will play for the Packers, and if not, I expect that he will be watching the Packers from home just like I am. Okay, so if... So you're are you against any trade? Um, uh, I think it's a little early still for Jordan Love to be the starting quarterback. Uh, I they, they had all these different headlines. I saw one that said he looked horrible at minicamp. I, I saw one that said he looked great or like phenomenal or something. There were like mixed reports on how he was looking. I believe in Jordan Love, but I don't think 
it's the Packers' plan to get him involved as a starting quarterback quite yet. So I I think Rodgers needs to come back. Well, one thing I will say that we can peep about Jordan Love is this. His rookie year, he wasn't even on the 53, right? He He no. wasn't even dressing. Who was the backup? The backup is uh, number eight. Uh, I want to say like Tim Tim Boyle. Is that right? Yeah. Or, well, anyway, so so he 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 wasn't even good enough. Green Bay did not have enough confidence to make him QB two on the roster last year. So I think that just tells you all you need to know about where Jordan Love is. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it was. His time, obviously it wasn't his time last year, but I just don't think in the Packers' roadmap that him being the quarterback for the 21-22 season was where they were anticipating it going. Um, I mean, Rodgers has voiced some you know, unrest in the past, but I don't think anyone really ever thought it would get to this point yet, uh, quite honestly, let alone past this. I really think Rodgers just needed to do some thinking and hopefully came to the conclusion that he has the best chance to win in Green Bay. I, I mean, I already talked about this on your show before. I really don't see him having a better chance if his whole thing is the talent put around him. What, Devontae Adams was just, like, voted the best receiver in football, right? I'm pretty sure I saw that. Yeah, he was. Yeah, I mean, okay, so you have... The number one receiver, I mean, this is it's all like, you know, you don't have to agree with that or not. He's one of the best. The you, you, like, he's a guy, like. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he probably is, like, pound for pound the best in the league. Um, so you have the number one receiver in the league there. David Bajiari is a top left tackle. It's a shame he got hurt uh, last year. I'm quite honestly, like this might be a hot take, but you just never know how stuff like this is going to go into effect a game. If Bakhtiari doesn't go out for the year, the Packers might go to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they win it or not. If the Chiefs play like they did against the Buccaneers, they win it. But it's everything, every variable has changed when you put a different team in there. So I don't know, but with your all-pro left tackle against that Buccaneers pass rush, it's got to make somewhat of a positive difference. So, like, I don't know. I, I don't want to get off topic again here, but I really feel like, Rodgers, you're going to quit just because you barely lost in the NFC Championship without your best offensive lineman, which could have pushed you over the edge. Like, why not run it back at least one more time? So, okay, so let's say you're Matt LaFleur right now. You have Aaron Rodgers' number. You call him on the phone. So what are you telling him? I tell him, well... First of all, I'd figure out what. First of all, I'd have to figure out what I've been hearing on the news is true, and what is maybe an exaggeration or just blatantly false. Because it's a little unclear what is really the truth. I would get to the bottom of what he's actually upset about. I think it is clear he is upset. I think that's not made up at all. But I would be like, Aaron, like we gotta, like what is. Like, I just find some way of asking him in a kind way what exactly is the issue. Okay. And, yeah. Let's say I'm here and I'm like this. Okay. So, 
the organization, they continually have not listened to me. Coach, what I want is this. I did not want Jordan Love to be drafted. They drafted him instead of getting me more weapons. None of our draft picks played in the championship game. I always get the blame when we lose. I'm tired of it. Also, we draft Eric Stokes, a corner, a corner, in the first round. It's almost like they're trying to piss me off. I'm sorry, coach. I can't play. Get me out of here. I would have to, first of all, I would have to point out the offensive draft picks there were. There was the receiver, Rodgers, right, from Clemson. Yes. Um, I think he's pretty solid. I would point out, like, yes, maybe not the first-round guy all the time, but Robert Tunyon, top tight end in the league last year. Uh, While Rodgers does get the blame, I've also heard it the other way around. To be completely honest, I don't think it's, unless I've just been exposed to people that not everyone else is exposed to, because I have literally seen on social media before uh, opposing fans of the Packers saying that the rest of the team always gets blamed when Rodgers doesn't get the job done. So I don't know how I would, if Rodgers said what you said to me, I don't know how I would address that because I would almost say it's not true. I've, I've, Honestly, from Packers fans at least, it seems pretty clear that a lot of times the blame goes on the rest of the team. I mean, it's been a pretty common sentiment for a while that Rodgers has had bad uh, defenses for a lot of his career. Um, As far as the NFC Championship, I think some blame of that fell on his shoulders, rightfully so. If I was LaFleur, though, I would take blame for the that field goal decision at the end, which I hope he already has. But I really thought uh, Rodgers deserved a shot at that. Do you think this is as simple as Devontae Smith getting on the phone and being like, yo, Aaron, come on, we're boys. Let's just run it back for one more year. Screw, screw Matt. Yeah. Screw the GM. Screw the fans. It's just you and me, my guy. Just for one year. We can just run it back for one year. It seems like... Uh... Like, there's something out there trying to, like, disband the Packers right now, like an outside force, because I saw that thing about uh, Derek Carr saying he wanted to play with... (laughs) How did you feel about that, Landon? Did did you like that? I thought the feeling was probably not mutual, quite honestly. Um, Sorry, but, like, yeah, you went to college together, but, like, does that make Devontae Adams want to play with Derek Carr over Aaron Rodgers? I would think not. Um, I I think there was some speculation. You know that whole thing about Tom Brady saying he couldn't believe that a team was sticking with that guy or whatever? Yeah. I, I feel like that might have been Derek Carr. Um, but anyway, enough Derek Carr bashing. I just... Maybe, maybe later in both of their careers they link up. I could see it, but right now, no. I think, I think Adams is in the best place for him to try to win a Super Bowl. I think Rogers is in the best place. It's just, I would just like summarize my feelings with, I just think Rogers needs to remember how good the Packers are. Like you are asking to be traded from a top four team playoff wise 
playoff stand, like how the playoffs went, a top four team in the NFL um, be traded to who? The Broncos? Like, have fun with that because that, uh, like, I don't want to sound bitter, but probably you don't, you don't even get an AFC championship in your career, probably, honestly. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I get that he's frustrated. But I guess he should be thankful in some ways. The Packers could all the focus is on the Packers did this poorly. They didn't listen to him about this. Well, look at the results. Like, the team is good. Like, the team has been really good his whole time in Green Bay. Has he had a lot to do with it? Absolutely. He's an MVP. But even an MVP doesn't do it by themselves. I mean, you can sit, the Packers missed the playoffs the one year, but I mean, I mean, Rodgers has been surrounded by a good team basically his entire career in Green Bay. He's gotten a Super Bowl. He's gotten in the NFC Championship a ton of times. But you know what? Sometimes when you get in the AFC champ, or sorry, NFC Championship, the thing that pushes you over the edge is your MVP quarterback, and it has not happened most of the time. That's true. I think you could make the argument in all those NFC Championship games. A lot of those, they were overmatched. I think they ended up getting blown out. Uh, like, yeah, just the better team won. Just the better team won. Like, it's not, I mean, Aaron, there's not much Aaron Rodgers can do when the 49ers are just running it down the Packers' throat over and over again. No, that was an ugly game. The, uh, the most recent one was winnable. Uh, I'd probably put that on the defense, though, especially that play right. Before halftime, that was just horrible. I mean, I mean, the, I, like I was gonna say, the Falcons got a blowout win, and, and then obviously some freaky stuff happened in the Seahawks, uh, Packers game. Yeah, the Seahawks and the Buccaneers ones were both winnable. Um, the Falcons, no, that was bad. Um, and yeah, the Niners one was really, really bad to watch. But the other two were winnable. Um, I don't know. There's lots of blame to go around, but if Rodgers feels like he's all the blame is being put on his shoulders, I, I would just like I would a disagree with that. I've heard the rest of the team get blamed plenty of times as a Packers fan. Like most of the time, I feel like the, you know, the complaining is about not surrounding him with enough talent, which seems to be his complaint as well. So you would think that he would know that. But, um, and secondly, it comes with the territory, man. You're the quarterback. You, like, you get the praise, and a lot of times the, again, I don't think it is, but a lot of times the, um, the negative comments fall on the quarterback as well because you're the face of the franchise. It's, it's not a Green Bay-only, you know, characteristic that the quarterback gets blamed for something. That's just, you're the face of the franchise. So, uh, here's what I want to do. I, I want to just play a little game with you really quickly, Landon. So, this co- upcoming NFL season, we're going to have a lot of quarterbacks switching teams and some quarterback competitions. And I just want quickly, uh, who you think is going to end up winning? Or if you think there's going to be a change at some point in the season? So, first, I mean, we can start with this, even though I think we already know what your feelings on this. Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. At any point, will Jordan Love be the full-time starter if it's not due to injury? Not without injury, no. Okay, so we got that off the list. Okay, Jimmy G or Trey Lance? Uh, 
Uh, I think it's going to be Jimmy G initially. Um, and then it really just depends on what he shows them. That that whole thing is so interesting to me, just because they were in the Super Bowl so recently with him. And they still have a really, really freaking good team. Just had a just bit the entry buck last year, but uh, it's going to be yeah, interesting what they do. Yeah, I mean, because it's going to be interesting to see what they do, because what if San Francisco 6-1 after eight games? Are you going to bring Trey Lance on board? Like, how does that work? Let's Yeah, say that, I think that is how it's going to work. I think they're just going to gauge uh, Jimmy G, and if he's not getting the job done well enough, then give the Rook a shot. Or what could end up happening, too, is you remember how uh, Colin Kaepernick got his job from Alex Smith? Injury. And then I believe Colin Kaepernick had like a miraculous game. I think he threw like five touchdowns against the Chicago Bears on Monday Night Football. And he never gave up the job. I mean, it'll be interesting. Uh, That'll be interesting as well because if that ends up happening, i got to assume that the Niners end up trading Jimmy G, I would think, because I don't think he wants to be a backup. This is going way deep into this again, but... I don't know. I would just monitor the quarterback situation across the league because if there's a team uh, that somehow badly needs a quarterback around the time where the Niners make a Lance over Garoppolo move, wouldn't be surprised to see Jimmy G get shipped somewhere. Justin Fields or Andy Dalton? That one, that one's harder. Um, All the news about Fields has been positive. Um, but I feel like rolling with Dalton at least week one would be a very Bears move and I think that's probably probably what we see unless they go for the ticket sales approach which is boom fields on the field or sorry week one Um, I don't know well this is an interesting pick for you too Landon because you know you know Andy Dalton well, being an AFC, being in the AFC North, uh, right? Like just near where you are, and then you have Justin Fields who plays for Ohio State. So who do you think should be the starter? If you're a fan, what do you want to see? If I'm a Bears fan, I mean, I feel like Fields would be who I would want to see. But if I could look into a crystal ball and see what the results would be, if the results are Fields gets messed up and loses his confidence in like the first few weeks of his career I would definitely rather see Dalton out there and Dalton is not a bad quarterback he I did watch him on the Bengals a lot of a lot of years and he's a good quarterback he's getting a little older now but he's serviceable uh for sure so I don't think they need to they do not need to play fields week one if they play him it needs to just be straight up he is the unquestionably better quarterback than Dalton and gives them an unquestionable edge in uh, ability to win compared to Dalton. That's, I feel like, the only way you justify it. If it's even, like, somewhat up in the air as to which one would give you the better chance to win, I say roll with Dalton for now. But if the choice is clearly Fields gives us the best chance to win, then yeah, roll with Fields. Cam Newton or Mac Jones? 
I gotta believe that's gonna be Cam Newton. Um, I think that's a similar. The Niners and the Patriots are in a similar boat, which is funny because Garoppolo, the former Patriot, and everything. But I, I think they're in very similar boats. I was shocked at how bad Cam Newton looked uh, last year. Honestly, I, I can't imagine he looks that bad in his second year with them, but. I think Mac Jones is one that could really use some development there as a backup for a while. Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill? Uh, that one, man, Taysom Hill, I think. Uh, huh. I don't think either are, like, super ideal, to be honest. I know Hill has been, like, he looked good last year. Um and he does bring a lot to the table as the quarterback. Kind of like could almost run some like weird like wildcat type stuff with him. He's like basically a running back. Um, but I mean, we're seeing the scrambling quarterback is kind of becoming the norm in a way. Maybe not the norm, but it's it's a growing a growing trend. I mean, it's been growing for a long time, but in the last couple of years. Um, so I think Hill. Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Locke? Uh, I think Bridgewater's the better quarterback, but Locke is more experienced in the Denver offense. So that's kind of what you're working with there. Um, I I don't know. I feel like they're going to roll with one of them week one, and I think whichever one... I think whichever one starts week one will not start the whole year. <laughs> that's that's pretty. I, that's fair. Yeah. That, that's fair, Landon. <laughs> I just don't think they're going to be successful. I don't think either of them actually will be that successful, probably. But um, that's the unfortunate part for the guy that gets to go first and start the year as a starter. Is then when things don't go well, everyone's going to be calling for the other guy. The other guy comes out, and from my perspective, from my prediction, I would say the other guy doesn't do very well either. I've already made it pretty clear that I don't feel like the Broncos are a very good team. Tua Tagovailoa or Jacoby Brissett? It's got to be Tua, right? Is is that actually? I didn't even know that one was a competition. No, but will Tua finish the season as a starter? Maybe that's the better way to put it. Will Tua finish? Because we saw Fitzpatrick came in to relieve him plenty of times. And Jacoby's a legit guy. If it's because of injuries in any way, like even not necessarily an actual injury, but like almost like uh, an injury prevention type of situation, then I could see... Brissett coming in for him at points, but not as, like, full-time. Um, but I think to, uh, I think from start to finish next year, barring injury. Deshaun Watson or Tyrod Taylor? Now, this is dependent oh. on some legalities, but who's going to be under center for the Texans? I just saw a headline today that uh, Watson might actually play next year. Um, but... Man, that is true. I'd say Tyrod Taylor at least week one. I don't see Watson back by week one. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, that's a, if Watson comes back then good for him, but he's got some stuff he's got to figure out. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick or Taylor Heineke? Um, I'm going to say Fitzbeard on this one. I think it's, it's always tough with him because I feel like everywhere he goes, he starts like some of the games, but then the other guy ends up playing like a good amount of the games as well. It's almost like wherever Fitzpatrick goes, he's like a duo QB with someone else. Um, so I guess I would just say like, I would be surprised if Fitzpatrick started every game. Like that would be like kind of crazy, but I guess that would be my prediction. Fitzpatrick is like the regular starter, but I don't think he starts every game. Landon, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, Daryl, thanks for having me. And once again, I want to thank Landon Rhodes for coming on the podcast. I always love it when Landon comes on. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 308th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk!